Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Just like that, second hour is here. OutKick 360 rolls on from Nashville and across the OutKick network. Glad you're with us. We've just scratched the surface with Jim Ursay and the presser yesterday with uh, Jeff Saturday and Chris Ballard, who didn't have much to say, sitting sitting there next to Jim Ursay, who is clearly making all the all the moves and, and rightfully so. I mean, he is the team owner, but the question is, what's the direction of the franchise? Um, we'll dive in more with John McClain and get his thoughts. But first, here's the thoughts of. Jim Ursay, some of the best of the one-liners he had over the course of what was a long presser with the Indianapolis media. We're the fourth winningest franchise in the league since 2000. All right, that means in the upper quartile of winners, we're in the top quartile of that upper quartile. You want to bet against this guy? Put your money down, people. <laughs> Love to see it. Love to see it. No, the game is not different. We don't build rockets to go to Mars. We're not nuclear scientists. That is none of our jobs here. It's a very simple jobs that we do here. I don't know how to make sausage. I don't know what goes into sausage. But I do know how to build a football team. Pork. Because I've been around for 52 years. There is uh, Jim Ursay yesterday. You in say you're fourth. Then why do you got to get into a quartile and quartile? I actually. We're fourth. And now I'm going to say it for you as fancily as possible. I actually like liked the way he put it just because it was so not needed. <laughs> but yeah, it's funny. Like, it, it's a, it's, it's like a, a comedy skit. I'm giving Colts fans someone a T-shirt idea. Uh, top quartile of the top quartile, or however he says and it. And in the back. In other words, four. In a Colts font with a blue shirt and white on the front yes. is an amazing You don't like shirt. the back for me? In other words, fourth. Yeah, I don't like I don't like t-shirts with things in the back, just in general. I don't I like a, I, I like a clear back on the t-shirt <laughs> with like, only like the back. Are you eight? <laughs> you like things on the back of your shirt? Like the name, like a kid's no, warm up, not the name, but I like shirts to have something on the front and sometimes like writing on the, on the back. back. Yeah, sometimes. I'm not a fan of this. That seems to me like a fraternity shirt. <laughs> yeah, the only you know, thing I'm talking I about. Hutton was in a fraternity, like your yeah, fraternity or, uh, formal shirt. You don't like these shirts because they're more expensive. The they're more expensive. Or yeah, that's just, why you don't like them. I, I like an a advertisement. Nice, I like a nice, simple logo or writing on the front of a shirt and nothing else. Yeah. To be fair, uh, we. I do have a ton of those shirts because we all worked in radio and there's no free t-shirt well, that has no clear back. Also, sometimes... Everything's got some type of sponsorship. Sometimes a good shirt listed on the back. has something on the, on the breast and then a bigger thing across the back. I mean, we... We worked for a radio station that had golf tournaments that just made money for the radio yeah, station. Right. No, no charitable, charitable still element. Found a way to have sponsors on there. There was no charitable element to the, to the whole thing. It just all was it, money it was for them. It did feel dirty. It was the it was the only for profit only golf tournament that I'm aware of. 
Um, but we still found a way to have sponsors. Also, on the it didn't make much money. But top, <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't that proud. Top, top quartile of the top quartile is terrific so, to describe you being fourth out of 32 teams. So here comes Jeff Saturday. And we, we opened the show by, and I, I said, at, at the bare minimum, he's there to, to gather intel for Jim Ursay. Um, but beyond that, I, I think there is one guy with a ton of pressure on him this week. And his name is Josh McDaniels. They, so Vegas is hosting Indianapolis this week against Jeff Saturday, head-to-head against Jeff Saturday, and head-to-head against Sam Ellinger, who has been awful. And they're still keeping him at quarterback for what we understand. The run game has been banged up. Um, I believe that there's a chance we could see Jonathan Taylor and uh, potentially um, Zach Moss, who wasn't even playing in the game against the Patriots due to a coach's decision. I guess he got there too late from Buffalo at the trade deadline. Nonetheless, um, this is a game that the Raiders, as bad as they've been, they win. And I realize that they've led by, what was it? They've led by 17 three different times this year and lost. And everyone there wants McDaniels on a platter, his head on a platter. Lose to this Colts team after this week? You may get it. You may get it this week. You yeah, can't lose this game. You, it's funny with the with Ursay talking about he doesn't know the pressure, and we like that. The fear, right, is what he said. The fear of being a coach in this league. Yeah. That Jeff Saturday doesn't possess that, and he sees that as a positive. Imagine the fear of every coach that <laughs> Jeff Saturday faces. Yes. I'm going to be the guy that loses to Jeff Saturday 3-7 and seven in his final season at Hebron Christian in Dekula, Georgia. I could be the guy that gives him his first win as a coach. Now that is some legit fear. Here's the one thing this I This is could like see. when I was sent to the girls' side of practice to For go layup. practice with the girls. That is a no-win situation, Paul. That is one that if someone scores on me or I look foolish over there, there's, there's nothing I can do. And then if I go too hard and I'm blocking shots, then I look like a, a fool also doing that. But you know how I, I, I erred on the side of I'm going to block these yep. shots. Here's yeah. the one I'm thing I could see. The, the Raiders... just way back to the other end of the court. Paul, I would run the score up on Saturday is what I'm saying. <laughs> yes. You want to leave no doubt when you're facing Jeff Saturday as the coach. Raiders are average run defense team. If Jeff Saturday's smart, which he is, I would think he'd go in there, simplify, do what you've been complaining they haven't yeah. done, and say, we're going to be Jonathan Taylor-centric. This line is better than it's played and should be able to run block. We are going to focus on Jonathan Taylor here. Merely supplement him with Ellinger and play a turnover-free, simple game. Let the Raiders make mistakes, keep it close, and try to win it that way. Sounds like our division rival uh, over in Nashville. And, you know, it's conceivable they could play a close game doing that if, if Saturday manages things the right way with the personalities and stuff and doesn't have people working, I don't want to say against him, but not on the train, so to speak. If he manages the on the train stuff right this week, which is hard, but he's a likable guy. Yes. And does that with the Jonathan Taylor stuff, I could see them being competitive against a bad team. This is still about the offense, though, in Vegas. Like, right? Like, you've got to be able to stay motivated in Vegas against this Colts defense now. You would think. I mean, this should be a... I won't say lifeless Colts team because Saturday's coming in and again, he's he's taking notes. But 
you're getting you're getting Indy at the perfect time. People are going to point to, well, you know, they're going to run all these tricks. They don't have time to do that. No, he barely has enough time to learn the guys' names in the locker room. I'd start with the starters, and <laughs> and then you also have to figure out, okay, is the 30 year old play caller on offense going to be ready to call some end arounds and whatever it might I think be? It's going to be simple with Parks simple, Frazier. Right? Yeah, so I think I'm I'm preparing for simple. If we get beat on a crazy play, so be it. But don't beat ourselves. And win by twenty one plus. I mean, that should be the that should be the mantra this week in Vegas for a team that should be a lot better than they are after giving up the uh, the the lead. They were trouncing Jacksonville, and the Raiders allowed them to come back and win that game in the second half. Devontae Adams complete no show in the second half after putting up one hundred and thirty plus in the first half against the Jags. It is. Is Nick Foles okay? Is he healthy? Yeah. He's got to be to be like, back if you want, enough. If, you, were, if you truly wanted to win a game, I think you'd start Nick Foles. That spread is only six and a half. I know. If Nick Foles is starting and not Sam Ellinger, I think that line is three. thing about Nick Foles, though, Chad, is – and look, I'm no Ellinger fan, but Nick Foles is a statue, and that Colts line cannot protect – well, I mean, Ellinger great. just El- got sacked nine times. Ellinger, I understand. Ellinger can move, and they were 0 for 14 on third down. And got sacked nine times. That's so. a historically, that, that's the last, worse than the last 30 years. 0 for 14 on third down. Yeah. I mean, Nick Foles is going to do better than that. Josh Allen is being evaluated for a UCL injury, his, his elbow. And uh, we're still awaiting word on that where maybe we don't find out until tomorrow. But chances are one of the the national reporters will get this out today. Um, my guess is, especially if it's good news on behalf of the Bills, we'll know sooner rather than later. And if it's bad, we'll know through the agent. But this, I mean, if he's missing a, a game time here, they're playing the Vikings. They've got uh, another game against the Jets coming up. Um, uh, Patriots. Guys, this this is putting the AFC wide open without Josh Allen in the mix for the Bills because, you know, the, uh, I, I think the, the favorite, of course, would be Kansas City to get the one seed in the bye. But who could grab the two seed after that? Could Baltimore do that? They've won three in a row. And we their mentioned schedule their schedule. Saw. Yeah. You've got the, the Titans who have uh, Denver coming up this week with another chance to get a win at home. Again, uh, the Bills, while I still think they're the best team in the AFC personally, they haven't been stopping the run well over the last couple of weeks. And the Jets showed you the blueprint where you can rush him with four, you drop six, and you can affect Allen on uh, the game plan over four quarters. Now with the elbow injury, how much does that hinder him over the next couple of weeks? It's a huge development. Yes. I mean, it's uh, just, you know, I'm looking at it from the Bills' perspective right now, just catastrophic. It could be. I mean, I think it is. I just don't. Case Keenum, okay, that's a good backup situation to have. But if this is something that's serious, long-term this season, whatever, um, it just derails the hope of, of Buffalo. And it's not just about hope. I mean, this they're supposed to win it. I mean, it, it was after six or seven weeks, almost a foregone conclusion, hey, this is the team in the AFC, and there's a little step down before you get to everyone else when you're looking at this team versus everyone else. Without Josh Allen 
it certainly makes things a lot more wide open in the AFC and the NFL. I, I know the answer to this question. I mean, this this bunched up AFC, the bunched up NFL, is tailor-made for me. I like everything close and tense, but I don't like it that much. And the reason is, and Chad, you hit on it pretty early in the season because it's muddled football. There's not enough good football. I, I don't think there needs to be uh, an 8-0 team like there is in the NFC to feel like, because uh, NFC's not any better just because Philadelphia is out there and Minnesota's out there. It doesn't make the conference better. Um, but I don't find the AFC, it's not like, ooh, this intrigue, I want to see who breaks out of it and whatever. I feel like still just everybody's not that good. And the Bills now. AFC's far better than the AFC. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. But still, nobody in the AFC is that good i mean you can beat buffalo and you can beat can't hell the titans almost beat kansas city and the titans had nothing it can't complete a damn pass i still think and buffalo's so that good with is, josh is Allen. not that good even with the two losses but they can they can lose to a jets you know um so i'm just i don't know there's something disappointing about the the whole thing and i thought it would start start to sift out by now in a way where i felt better about some teams and it looked better felt better and it doesn't yet still well the the bills though i mean they they came back and won on the road in a tight window game against baltimore you know that that was the big knock on them coming in the years they they either win going away win by you know double digits or they're losing close games and they did that on the road against uh, baltimore they've Done that on the road in Arrowhead. So they've checked that off the box. That was a big one. Miami gets them. And then you you look at what the Jets have done. The Jets defensively are flying around as good as any team in the league right now. There's total buy-in. They've got solid play uh, at the wide receiver position. Uh, excuse me, at the quarterback position, locking down the top wide receivers in the league from Sauce Gardner to to others on that defense. And yeah, their their front can get pressure with four. Now, the the it we we did briefly mention this last week. Zach Wilson is capable of putting together a good ball game. Zach Wilson though settled for field goals throughout that game. It took a Sauce Gardner interception that led to a game-tying field goal, the tied at 17. The game was 14-3 early. And then just things went, you know, to crap for Buffalo against the Jets. And credit to the Jets, I still think Buffalo is top shelf when it comes to the league with Allen. And what we don't know is the significance of the possible UCL injury to his elbow. Even with that injury, he threw the longest pass in the NFL over the past six seasons. This is tracked with a chip, a microchip in the football through next-gen stats, and he threw that in the air on the final play, 69.3 yards in the air, down the sideline to uh, Gabe Davis, who was being defended by Sauce Gardner. That beat, I think, the P.J. Walker uh, throw. I wonder if that was good for him to be throwing that, given that situation. Here's a question for you. Uh, Do do you feel like the Jets are Titans-like? Because... Tannehill's more consistent, obviously, than Zach Wilson. Um, And they'd be more Titans-like if they hadn't lost um, Brees Hall. 
Oh, um, for sure. Because they're they're not as solid. How many turnovers back. do the Titans have right now? <clears throat> uh, they're not turning it over as much as the Jets. Not a ton. So that, the Jets have for sure. fourteen. Yeah, they're not, already, they're and not, that not matches last year's total for the Jets already. But if the Jets win, their script is to play tough defense, run the ball, not have to count on Wilson too much. So he's got better weapons. Oh, but he's, he's much more of a wild card. So they're pretty similar. If you look at the playoff field right now, the two quarterbacks you have doubt, doubt on, Wilson's number one, Tannehill would be number two. Well, I mean, I, I... Titans have nine turnovers so far this season. Yeah, so they're getting the football back. They're turning that into points. They are, you know, they're, they're winning close games like everybody in the league. And credit to them, part of that is their two-minute comeback down whatever it was in Cleveland early in the season. I the, the thing about Wilson that you know the he came back off of injury. It's very slow start for him. Not good. Decent this past week against the Bills, and all of a sudden he's now quarterbacking a six and three team that has Garrett Wilson, that has Corey Davis, when he's and you start looking around the roster and you. They have weapons. You know, they've got Conklin at tight end. They've they have options on top of the fact they trade for for Robinson. So I mean, I think they're better suited than the Titans right now to go on the road and win. Except for if Zach Wilson's facing uh, well, let's put that as a first round matchup here in Nashville, because it is the first round right matchup is, here in yeah. Nashville. I mean, I Advantage think the deciding yes. factor would be how could Wilson handle what the Titans do defensively? Uh, kind of like Cincinnati got to Tannehill last year. Well, I mean, if I'm the Jets, I'd be worried about Autry and Simmons even, sure. getting on Zach Wilson, and that might be the story of the game. Well, the problems here are much more significant. Can the Titans score 17 points yeah. offensively? No, they can't. Well, you got to get Tannehill back and see, and then you would hope for the Titans' sake that Traylon Burks is doing something by then if he's not. There's a lot of hope in wishing upon a star. No, I know. And the way they, you know, pull and tug these rookies around and slow play this stuff, that's not happening. Yeah, I don't, I don't have much faith in Traylon Burks being much of a factor. But Zach Wilson, to me, the good Zach Wilson, terrific. But the bad Zach Wilson from three weeks ago, you can't, you can't win with. And Chad, but that, there, ceiling, that ceiling is winning playoff games. Titan ceiling is making the playoffs. They're not going to win a playoff game. Well, that, that, that's a big jump for Zach Wilson to have him winning playoff games. But again, you just said Zach Wilson at his best is terrific. I mean, he he could get hot in the playoffs. Got, is my point. Now he's also nice bad roster. at times, and they could get housed in their first playoff game based on his inconsistent play. But better weapons around him outside of Derrick Henry, who's one of a kind in the NFL. They don't have him. Um, I like the Jets set up better than the Titans right now. I like the Jets. So I much like of the, the Titans, youth, though, it's you're talking about wishing and hoping. I mean, for the Titans to be anything like they were even a year ago going into the playoffs, Traylon Burks needs to become something like A.J. Brown for the offense. Right. That's not happening. John McClain is next. We're going to pick his year. brain on what we were discussing. We took a look at the playoff map. We've hit the headlines with Jim Ursay and more. McLean's next to weigh in on Outkick 360. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th 
Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Let's talk NFL headlines with John McClain, gallerysports.com, Pro Football Hall of Fame selector. He's covered the league for nearly five decades, and he joins us now from Houston, home of the world champion Astros. John, hope you're well. How about Mattress Mac's reaction to the three-run homer over the weekend? Well, it's all over the internet, his reaction. Every time something good happened when he won that $75 million now, he won that. <laughs> But after taxes and then after he has to, he lost all his money with people that bought millions and millions of dollars worth of furniture, hoping the Astros would win so they could get it free, free, free. So he's certainly not going to end up with $75 million. And what he does end up with, he'll give most of it, if not all away, because that's what he does. And then he'll do it again. Then he'll do it again. He'll run it he'll back. Do it. He, he's going to have a big bets, I'm told, on the World Cup. Wait to see what that's all about. Let us in on that. We want 0.001% of that bet, John. John McClain with us. You can follow him on Twitter at McClain underscore on underscore NFL. Your reaction to Jeff Saturday being the interim head coach of the Indianapolis Colts when you saw the news was what? A stupefying. I went through that with Josh McCown. So uh, Josh McCown was close to being named here till they came to their senses. He had no coaching experience beyond high school. But one of the things when I when I first heard he was a candidate, I started calling people who covered the teams he was with or worked with teams he's been with. And everybody said they thought Josh McCown was going to be a really good coach. He just needed to work his way up. I never heard anybody say anything about Jeff Saturday as a coach. Jeff was a very astute player. He and Peyton Manning are really, really close. And uh, everything I'd ever heard about him was what I saw on ESPN. So I think it was shocking. He's named some guy 30 years old, never called plays in the NFL as the play caller. Sounds like they're doing a roundabout way to tank to try to get a quarterback at the top of the draft, a position that belongs to the Texans right now. And maybe the rest of the season, these two teams play in Indianapolis uh, late in the season. It could be the battle for the first pick in the draft. The scope of, of what an NFL coach has to do on a weekly basis and the number of people he has to interact with. Uh, give give people your perspective on on how big that is and what a challenge it is for a guy to, to, to be ready for that, a head coach to be ready for that if he starts in January, better yet if he comes in in the middle of the season. Jeff Saturday's got a great personality. He was a great leader for the Colts. So when he stands in front of a team, I'm sure he's going to be – Pretty impressive, but those guys got to be just as mystified as everybody else. It's not like he's been in the front office. It's not like he was hired in the offseason. And the fact is, on his game day management on the sidelines with clock management and decisions on whether to go for it or not, those are things 
that guys who've been in the league for years as coaches and head coaches still struggle with. So I can't wait to see his game day management. You know, if he had a really good staff of assistant coaches and like say Frank Reich was his offensive coordinator, something like that, it'd be easier to understand. But man, oh man, he's been put under so much pressure. You talk about being under the proverbial microscope. He will be. Jim Ursay will be, but Ursay doesn't care because he's used to criticism. But and Chris Ballard looked like a hostage at Jim Ursay's yeah, news did. conference. You know he'll be gone after the season, even though Ursay says he won't. Ballard will get another job real fast as a head coach. I mean, as a GM. And I think Frank Reich will go back to being a coordinator and maybe getting a head coach uh, after that. Well, if Jeff Saturday needs an offensive coordinator, he can look no further than Dan Orlovsky, who went on Dan Patrick's show and said, I won't lobby Jeff, but I made it very clear to him that I want to coach one day. I'm very much interested in it and talked about his text message exchange uh, with Jeff Saturday yesterday. I mean, is it going to be an all ESPN staff? Is Ryan Clark going to be the defensive coordinator? Is Mina Kimes going to head up special teams? <laughs> what, what's next with this, John? I think it's funny, Dan Orlowski saying he's not going to lobby for it. And then he's gone public and he sent text messages to Jeff Saturday. And I can't imagine Saturday would want him in a role in which he came in and called plays. At least the guy going to call plays has been on the staff. So it's a circus. It's not going to last beyond the season, I don't think. And I know, um, I, I know, I would suspect that Jim Mercy is going to offer Peyton Manning a job to come in there and run everything. Peyton wants to do that. If the right opportunity came along, I don't know if he thinks the Colts are the right opportunity right now, considering the state of the roster, state of the organization, really. And he knows Ursay very, very well, but Ursay has been involved more this season than I can remember. Peyton Manning will host the uh, CMA Awards tomorrow night with with Luke Bryan on ABC. Well, so, so far he's scheduled to do that. Yeah, he, who knows? He could be calling <laughs> plays on Sunday also. You, you, you never know what's going to happen in Indy. Never know what's going to happen when Jerry Jones goes on his weekly radio show either, John. And in his latest uh, appearance, he talked about Odell Beckham Jr. and said, hey, he'd look pretty good in Cowboys colors. Well, what do you think about Jerry Jones' comments and about the chance of maybe signing Odell Beckham Jr.? Well, it's a good thing he's a free agent or that would be tampering. Yep. And they need another receiver. Packers need a receiver. There's been talk about him going to Buffalo. You know, after his experience in Cleveland and then going to the Rams and winning the Super Bowl, if I'm him, I'm, I'm not looking to play outside on one of the Great Lakes. So it wouldn't surprise me at all. I mean, he's going to go where he gets the money, but he's going to say it's because it wasn't about the money, but it will be. Dallas offers just should offer a deal just as good as anybody else. John, what's the update with Brandon Cooks and the future this year with Houston? Uh, Brandon Cooks is back in the building. He's practicing. He'll be back on the field. You know, he quit on his teammates last week, pouting when he didn't get to be traded, uh, it looked like, to the Cowboys. And if the report by Adam Schefter is true, and most of Adams are, that uh, Nick Serio, the GM, was asking for a second-round pick, and I think it's something else, and then they weren't serious about trading him because nobody was going to trade a second-round pick for Brandon Cooks. I thought they might get like a four that conditionally could be a three, but certainly not a two. And I think now he'll be gone uh, 
before the draft for a lot less than they could have gotten for him before the trade deadline. And the Texans will have to pick up some of his $18 million salary that's guaranteed next season. But it's amazing. He has been the most uncontroversial player I've seen. Great team guy, great leader. All the players are saying the right thing. Hadn't played very well this season. Part of that is Pep Hamilton, the offensive coordinator, not doing a good job. And Davis Mills struggling under Pep Hamilton. And uh, I don't blame Cooks for getting excited about being traded. Anybody in his organization would. Tom Pelissero went on NFL Network and said there's hope in Buffalo that Josh Allen will be able to practice and play his way through this elbow injury. Um, again, that's within the last hour. We haven't seen much of an update there with what we saw on Sunday. We know he threw the the bomb at the end of the game, but they're they're evaluating him for a UCL injury. Your thoughts on on Allen's injury status, which we don't know, and what it could mean for the Bills and the AFC as we sit here going into Week 10? All I know is with that damage to his ulnar nerve, he threw a ball farther than any quarterback had thrown a ball this year, including Carolina's P.J. Walker on that long touchdown pass a week or two before. And maybe he was in agony after he threw it, but – if something happened to him and he had to have surgery, then, you know, their Super Bowl hopes, you'd think, went down the toilet. I don't even know who's the backup in Buffalo. And uh, that would, you know, they'd have to rely heavily on a running game. And they don't have a great running game. Their backs are better receivers than runners. So I would think if if he's out there, that's got to be great news for teams like Miami, uh, Kansas City, anybody in the AFC thinking they have Super Bowl hopes because the Bills, despite the loss to the Jets, are still a Super Bowl contender. Your Case guy. Keenum yeah, is your guy. guy. Case, that's right. Case has had two times this year where he's dressed up and gone and talked to players and fans. One, he was in the gift shop oh, yeah. uh, selling uh, memorabilia. So somebody finally recognized him. And Case has been in some big games, you know, the Minnesota Miracle against New Orleans, and he's been around a long time. So if you got to have a backup quarterback step in in today's NFL, there's not many that are very good. Case Keenum would be pretty good. I think the Titans would love to be in position to have Case Keenum as their veteran backup. Baltimore appears to be settling down, and it does not play a team that has a current winning record until week 18 against Cincinnati. What do you think of the status of the Ravens in the AFC picture right now? Paul, Roquan Smith should really help that defense. He was playing great for the Bears. You know, Bears didn't want to pay him big money for an off-the-ball linebacker, and they traded him. And it's too bad because Justin Fields and the Bears are playing better, and they probably could use him, but they got rid of Robert Quinn had 18 sacks last year, and then Smith, their best defensive player. And I think he's going to, he's have a huge impact on Baltimore's defense. Baltimore's got a quarterback who's not going to turn it over a lot. Their running game is improving. Uh, they got a great head coach. And then the defense is, is seems to be adjusting to the new coach without Wink Martindale. And let's face it, that division is not very good. You know, we knew Pittsburgh was going to be last. I don't, I'll be stunned if, if Deshaun Watson comes out and lights it up 
Yeah, he'll light it up here in Houston in his first game. They'll get all fired up. And he's got to play the rest of the games outdoors in cold weather and bad weather, which he has not played well in. But I think Baltimore is still the clear-cut favorite. Bengals, boy, right when you think they've turned the corner, they go back down the toilet. You don't know what Bengals team is going to show up. John, what did you learn about the Chiefs and the Titans on Sunday night based on the result and based on the play of Mahomes, who turned into MVP Mahomes in the fourth quarter? One of the things we talked about on my radio shows here is what a hell of a coach Mike Vrabel is. You look at the players he's lost. You look at the players he has playing Malik Willis, who's not ready to play in the NFL. And uh, it's it's amazing. They almost beat the Chiefs, who could be the best team in the AFC. I think Mike continually does a great job. And there's a lot of people love to have him, including the people right here in Houston. And John Robinson and Amy Adams-Strunk got him away. And I think with Mike coaching, they're going to be in every game. And, of course, if Brian Tannehill's back, they should win most of those games as long as Derrick Henry stays healthy. Chad was, was posing this earlier. Uh, with the mess in Indianapolis, when when they went with McDaniel's, uh, they they were down to McDaniel's and Vrabel. How different might life in the NFL be had they chosen more wisely? Well, then everything that's happened with the Titans would be happening with the Colts. Now, there's a little difference with Mike Vrabel being a head coach in Indy. He is dealing with Jim Mercer as an owner instead of Amy Adams Trunk. It's a whole lot different better off right where he is and they give him a great chance to succeed they need talent on both sides of the ball as you guys know but that defense played very very well the offense played as well as it possibly could with a quarterback who shouldn't be on the field and uh, are y'all surprised they didn't sign a veteran quarterback to be his backup and let willis be number three or, or were you guys not surprised they went with willis as the backup it would have just been um, status quo, if it not for Willis, honestly, right? Re, re, I mean, the caliber of guy that could get based on the money they had, I, I just don't think, you know, they were going to get one of the top five or six guys who are pretty highly coveted. They just, they, they're too content with the status quo. And John? Well, they're going to win the division. We know that. Yeah, we've all said, John, really since a week after the Cincinnati game that the judgment of this year's team is going to take place the second week of January. That's right. Uh, we're, we're already judging the Packers. Um, they're circling the drain, losing, losing to the Lions. Not winning their division. No, and not. I don't see many wins coming up. They've got the Cowboys, Titans, and Eagles over the next three games, and they have the second-worst scoring output of 2022 with what we saw this past week uh, in Detroit. Your thoughts on Green Bay, where they're headed, and where Rodgers is headed? Aaron Rodgers not playing well. Red zone interceptions like crazy Sunday. I mean, he just he doesn't look like the same quarterback. Now, next season, I think he's going to be 40, and I don't think it's because of his age. I think that he, he looks like he's not happy. He looks like... You know, that he's that he doesn't have his receivers he wants. The running game's not working like he wants. There was an in-depth story by Tom Silverstein from uh uh who's covered them forever from the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, talking about the growing gap between Rodgers and Coach Matt LaFleur. 
and because of the way they want to do things, and that's never good. You know, he makes $50 million a year, but it just looks like he's kind of disinterested, and you know he's got to be embarrassed. He'd think he'd be embarrassed at the way he played. Can he turn around? Sure. Last year he had a great season. He didn't just go down the toilet in one season. It seems to me it's more mental than physical. And on the flip side, Brady would be in the exact same situation this week if not for getting the football back late in the fourth and having that drive touchdown to Kate Otten with nine seconds remaining over the Rams. Felt like the loser of that game, John, was out of it. Do you feel that way? First of all, on Brady, no, because that division's so bad, they could have lost it and still won that division. I mean, they're in first place with a losing record. And Brady, it, I'm amazed he hasn't gone crazy. Six passes, including the touchdown, were dropped in that game. I was watching it. It's amazing how bad his receivers have been. They can't run the ball. The offensive line's not very good. I think he's got 10 touchdowns, one interception. And uh, I think about what his stats would be if they just dropped a normal number of passes. But they got issues. They can still win the division. And if Tom Brady is in a playoff game, you know he's capable of beating just about anybody. You know, there's not a great team. I watched Philadelphia last week, and maybe they were disinterested. They won. They beat the Texans 29-17. Spread was 13.5, 14-14-half time. Texans played his better, best first half they played all year. Davis Mills looked great. Then the second half, Davis Mills and the offense went down the toilet. Texans were still in it in the fourth quarter as they've been in every game but one. And then the, the Eagles took over, but they didn't look like the Eagles didn't look like a great team. It's amazing the balance we have. And uh, the NFC, I'm just stunned and how bad the NFC has gotten. And right now, if I had to pick a team, I would go with Kansas City just based on what I saw the other night and the fact that that uh, Mahomes is healthy and Andy Reid's calling the plays. But, man, oh, man, there's some – remember who was that quote early in the year about Brady seeing some bad football? Yeah. We're all seeing some bad football right now. John, I, I think the biggest surprise to me right now are the leading passers in the NFL – um, no surprise, Mahomes is Gino. number one. Geno's in the top six. Tom Brady is number two right now in the entire league in passing yards behind Mahomes. Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, fourth. Justin Herbert, Geno Smith, Kyler Murray. So the names we're not seeing are Derek Carr, who's up in the top ten all every year, no matter what they're doing. He's not doing great at all in L.A. Uh, Stafford is not in that group. And Aaron Rodgers is outside that group. I think that's part of the perception of the league right now is there, there are some, some guys that are traditionally throwing it all over the field that are not doing it right now. It's interesting. The Rams gave all those big contracts to their veterans who helped them win the Super Bowl, and it was the right thing to do. And now they're outscored 71-10 in the fourth quarter. And they'd be lucky to even make the playoffs. I mean, I when you talk about great coaching jobs done this year, I thought if the Titans had pulled that out, I was about to tweet that Vable ought to, Vable ought to be on the short list of coach of the year. And Pete Carroll, to me, might might be the one to win it. Geno Smith be comeback player of the year. And I love a great success story like that. But Rodgers, man, he just – they don't have receivers, and they lost – two or three, now one of their starters is out. It just keeps getting worse. 
And it's and I don't know how the Packers GM Brian Goodicus can look him in the eye and Matt LaFleur for not doing more to help them at wide receiver after they lost Devontae Adams. Paul, right now Matt Ryan is ahead of twelve other quarterbacks in passing yardage. Well, it's surprising to me to hear about the yardage because if you look at Brady, get a load of this list, John. He's tied at sixteenth for touchdown passes with the likes of Davis Mills, Marcus Mariota, Justin Fields, Andy Dalton, and Carson Wentz. When's the last time he's ever been in that kind of company on anything? He's usually in rarefied air. Now he's learning what it's like to be on skid row. <laughs> and Rodgers has thrown seven picks. He threw, what, four all of last year. Brady, I still only think he's only thrown one all year with – the second most passing yardage, which is also crazy just considering shows the wide you, receiver play. Shows you the value of the protection and receiver health, neither of which he's had. Yeah. Uh, Josh Allen, by the way, second most picks in the league right now with eight. Uh, John McClain with us. You can follow him on Twitter at McClain underscore on underscore NFL. Uh, final thought, John, as we head into uh, the week, uh, your thoughts on Dallas coming off a bye, Giants coming off a bye, and several other teams that have a chance to really take off as we are now in the heart of November and we head down the backstretch of what's going to be a crazy finish. Well, the one thing you guys about uh, the teams you just mentioned, the Giants are the ones that are going to be guaranteed of winning because they're playing the Texans and they're playing them at MetLife Stadium and the Texans have the worst run defense in the league and they're playing Saquon Barkley. So he may gain 200 yards. I wonder what's the record for a team allowing in back-to-back games. And um, and I'm thinking that Mike Grable, when they play the Texans next time, that uh, they should he should let uh, Derrick Henry break the NFL rushing record. And um, that would give him, I think, let's see, over uh, probably over 600 yards against the Texans this year or something like that. And uh, it's funny, there have been more 100-yard rushing games this season by far than last season. 300-yard passing is down, 100-yard rushing is going up, and that's why running backs coming out now are not depressed because the NFL has this renewed emphasis on the running game, and sometimes it's working. Texans have a really good running game with rookie Damian Pierce and their worst team overall than they were last year right now when David Culley was a one-and-done as a head coach. John, you're the best. Enjoy the uh, the football week as we head into week 10, and we'll catch up soon. John McClain there from gallerysports.com. Thank, thank, you. thank you, John. Guys, thank you very much. I do appreciate it, as always. Gallerysports.com, and you can get the very latest on all things uh, Astros Championship as well as some great football coverage from around the region, not just specifically to Houston. Um, when we come back, the traded first-round picks and where they would land right now in the NFL draft, good teams are going to get better, including the unbeaten team right now in the National Football League. That's next now, Kick 360. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! 
Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Coming up, Georgia and Tennessee and the ratings from Saturday compared to another big event. And Hugh Freeze to Auburn. We'll discuss that in another Power 5 coach that says, no, don't mention my name. Um, let's mention the teams that are currently set up great based on past trades for the 2023 draft. So uh, Phil Yates put this out earlier. Here's So the Saints right now would have the sixth pick. The problem is the Eagles own that selection. So the Eagles right now have the sixth pick in the NFL draft along... The undefeated uh, team. With their own. You've got the Broncos who have traded their pick to the Seahawks. The Rams traded their pick to the Lions. And that would give the Lions the 12th pick in addition to the third pick, their own pick. The Browns continue to hang around and the Texans own their number one pick based on... The trade for Watson right now, that's the 13th pick. To go with the first pick. Yes. Texans are in a good spot. Texans and Lions, both. And the Broncos now hold the pick from the Dolphins based on last week's trade of the 49ers' 20th overall selection. Everybody got that? Yeah. And so the Broncos are outside the top 10, but working their way towards. I keep looking at Eagles at six, and I'm thinking – if there is a quarterback that's still out there and a quarterback needy team drafting later in the draft, the capital you could get in return for trading away that Just spot. Perpetuate it. If perpetuate you're the Eagles, it. you don't have a really Roll clear it. cut keep need. Keep rolling it. At that point, you keep rolling it to more first round picks. It's ingenious. What that could do for them or even a current player, you know, on another roster that you could move possibly. And, and the, the rooting interest these teams on the right side of this list have against the teams on the left oh, side of makes this it fun. list is unbelievable. The fan bases are just hating those teams, rooting like hell for them to lose. And you have the Saints, Rams, and Browns who currently do not have a first-round pick, and all of them are really bad right now. Bad. Need, At least the Browns have been without their guy. But the Saints and the Rams, what's theirs? Yeah. Well, the Rams have already said, we don't need them. We'll beat you anyway. It's not happening. Now they got their trophy. College football headlines next on Outkick 360.